Good afternoon, church. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for, um, you know, it's been, a, it's, it's been a long time that I feel that it will sound strange, but everything that has happened in my life, all the experiences I've had, all the birthdays, all the jobs, all the everything, all the different churches I've attended, my upbringing, my parents, standing here now is I am at the right place at the right time. And I do believe that maybe today you will hear maybe a different kind of, let's call it a message, but it might also be a message that if you follow me here, that you can identify with something. And if you're able to identify with something that you're going to hear here today, and you can, or you feel that I've been there, that happened to me, that, and you haven't dealt with that, that you will have the courage to either come to speak to me afterwards, speak to any of the elders, or come to the front at the end. But, yeah, let's, let's just start. If we can put up the first two verses of Amazing Grace. We all know the song Amazing Grace. And we've sang it how many times. But if now you read the words again, read the words intently and, and for line for line, that next time that you will sing it, that you will not just sing it, that you will seriously think about what you are singing. Because when I, after I got saved, and then re-looked at these verses, it made a very, very big difference in my life. So, we're just struggling with the cable, seems like it. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. Read it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Can you think back? of the time that you felt for the first time that I'm saved. I've changed my life. I'm going to walk now in a different direction. Now I'm going to come back to this verse at the end. But I really just, as I said before, I'm going to jump around, but there's a golden thread that goes through at the end of the message. If you can go to Ephesians 6, verse 12, a verse that we all know so well. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now keep those two, that verse and the two verses of amazing grace. Put them now in a bucket next to you, and we're going to revisit them at the end. I want to share with you a testimony of a man that I met in 2013. I was sitting at a bar counter. Yes, you heard me correct. A bar counter in 2013 as I have had a past. So 
I'm sitting at the bar counter, and I met a man that was slightly intoxicated, number one. But he was a troubled man, extremely, extremely troubled. And as the wine and the beer was flowing, he started to tell me his life story. So I want to give you glimpses in 10-year brackets of his story. And again, I want to ask you that if you hear something here today that you can identify with, if you hear something here today that either shock you or make you think back, or you know of somebody that might have gone through similar things, go to that person, or if that person is you, then come to me. So, you know, the story I'm about to tell you is sometimes not so nice, sometimes a bit hard to hear. And maybe there is something in this story that you can identify with. The man sitting next to me at the bar counter told me that he was molested as a child, as a little boy of eight years old. Yes, little boys can also be molested. And he told me that when this happened, not once, not twice, but a few times, it completely twists someone's mind, a puberty mind later in life, that everything what God was meant for good is now twisted. And it felt for him, obviously, that he was just alone, that his parents was not there. In fact, it was, as per a lot of the time the case, family friends. And he uh, felt alone. He felt deserted. So, because it's an horrific act that happens to a child, and they sends a child into a tornado of mixed-up feelings. It takes a normal upbringing and a so-called normal puberty progression, and it sends it completely into chaos. That if not addressed immediately, from a Christian perspective, could lead to very, very more hectic things in the, in the future. The man next to me said that he uh, experienced school as complete torture. He experienced making friends very difficult, and to trying to fit in was very difficult for him. Everything became twisted and strange. He explained to me that past the age of, of, of 10 years, that although he was brought up in church, he never got the message, that he never felt a belonging to the church. He was cross with the church. He saw the church as authority. He saw his parents as authority, and he saw the people that hurt him as part of that era that happened to him. So his parents were Christian, yes, but again, no help came from them that they know, he never said. But what he did say to me is that he never understood the concept of the gospel, all the rituals and the singing on that specific church, and Yet again, his mind was clouded by his past. Unfortunately for him, again, at the age of 15, he went to boarding school, and another teacher at the boarding school took advantage of the young boy, which now solidified his anger towards the world. No fault of his own, but he was used by adults. 
Now he's in his teens. And what is the scenario? He hates authority. He's hating his parents. And he's just drifting through life with this anger inside of him. If you can put up the scripture of Romans 13 verse 1, it says that everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, and that includes your parents. But unfortunately for this young boy, because of what has happened to him, he did not get that message. He knew about it, he's heard it, but it didn't make sense to him because of the hurt. Ephesians 6 verse 2 says, Honor your father and your mother. He was lucky enough to have his father and his mother with him, but he hated them. He didn't want to do anything to do with them, and the only thing he could think of was to walk away from home and try and fill and you know, fight life by himself. In fact, the boy was so blinded by all these things that has happened to him that he missed the hand of God that was stretched out to him all the time in different types of scenarios. He told me that whilst living in one of the suburbs of Johannesburg in the mid-80s, that he once, basically as he saw it, broke out of jail, a.k.a. his parents' house, and left in the middle of the night and walked from the suburb to the city center of Johannesburg and ended up at a train station. Now, can you imagine if you are a parent and you wake up and you go to your child's room and that child is gone? You've got no idea. But the boy ended up sleeping. Uh, somehow he made it to the Germiston train station. And he slept in the waiting room. And when his parents started looking for him, God led them to that train station. That was the first train station that they went to. And they found him there. He told me that he woke up um, being held by his dad. His dad was crying. But again, he was so confused and he was so resentful that he reluctantly went home with them. That is how deep and hard his heart became. Although he, does, he did say to me afterwards that he realized that God led his parents there. And that it was the outstretched hand of God that was out for him, but he didn't take it. He then proceeded to tell me that between the years of 20 to 30, that he was basically an alcoholic. And he already had a broken marriage behind him. And that he was so completely disgusted with life and so twisted in his, um, from his puberty years that he wanted to commit suicide. So what he did was, he, um, at that stage, he was staying with his brother. And his brother went to work. His brother was a representative of a company, so he was always driving around. And just after his brother left for work, he, um, he parked his own car in the garage. He put a, um, a creepy crawly pipe from the exhaust into the car. And 
He started the car. His brother had no reason to go home that morning. In fact, his brother never does. He starts his day and he's a representative. He's all over the place. He gets home at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. At 11 o'clock in the morning, his brother's testimony later said that he was driving on the highway and he had the most overwhelming feeling he has ever had in his life to go home. So his brother found him and saved his life. And that was the outstretched hand of God that saved him that day. Now, we all go through times in our life when we have to deal with things that <clears throat> is not nice. And then it is most difficult if somebody tells you, yes, just be strong, um, trust, and, you know. But if you don't grab that hand, it's going to be more difficult. I'm going to take another scenario. He told me that afterwards, he still did not grab the hand of God. He started using drugs. And in the 1980s, late 80s, possibly late 70s, there was, a, there was a band, a rock band called The Doors. Some of the older people will know a rock band called The Doors. And he was a big fan of this band. Why do I say this? Because in retrospect, he told me that one of the songs of this band was called Break On Through to the Other Side. And all the kids was always singing it. What does it actually mean? Whether it's true or not, but according to him, he thinks that because they were living such a, let's face it, some of the rock bands are not, you know, first class Christians. But if you give yourself into a certain lifestyle, you are going to come across an evil that is around us in the spiritual world. And the more you give yourself to this evil, the more you will break on through to the other side. You will become less and less inclined to listen to God. And you will be more inclined to listen to what you think is the world, but it's actually the devil himself. And music is one of the most influential things that, that spur emotions in humans. Yesterday at the gathering, we were all worshipping. Gladys now said to worship was amazing. We were worshipping God. But if you use music for the kids, which this man said to me that he attended all the rave shows and all the rock and roll shows and all of that, and it is as if they are worshipping that band, which is full of evil. So, I googled the song, and they said it means breaking through barriers that have been constructed to keep you from greater knowledge 
And those barriers could be traditional moral codes, the law, or even your own fears. What barriers? The love of your parents? The law of the Bible? Lovingly given to us by our Father? Break on through to the other side. In Leviticus 19 verse 31, it says, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. What is a necromancer? A person who uses witchcraft or sorcery, especially to reanimate dead people or to foretell the future by communicating with them. Clearly, the Bible is telling us that the spiritual world exists. Back again to Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And you, Christian, need to get ready for war. A spiritual war of prayer. If your foundation is not strong enough, then it will crumble in a time of war. In a time when everybody else around you is going to the rock show and is going to, into the world. If you think that you are able to dance through life without protecting yourself with the armor of God, then you are mistaken. If you think that you can just be a Sunday Christian, you are mistaken. Stop doing those things in secret and bring all your sin into the light. You are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. Understand this. Look at the hand of God in your life. How many times have God given you a hand? And how many times have you said, no, thank you. I want to go into the world. Look at the hand stretch out to help you. The man continued with his life story. And he told me that he had the opportunity to go to India. And he visited the country for two weeks. But he came back and he was sickened by the faith of Hinduism. And at the time, he couldn't wait to get back. But now later in life, he told me that he was so glad that he did go to India. Why? Because he saw what the Bible spoke about. In Exodus 20, verse 1 to 4, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He told me that he went to Varanasi. Varanasi is the Jerusalem of the Hindus. He sat next to the Ganga, Ganga River and he saw firsthand idol worship. We have a few pictures that I would like to, 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 to put up. This is one of the pictures that he showed me. You can clearly, this is on the steps of the, of the Ganges River. You can see that the altars the guys are holding are, have snake heads on top of them. If we go to the next one. That is the core area of Varanasi. And they believe that the river is sacred to them. Next one, please. And there they believe that if they wash with that filthy water, that it cleanses themselves. Maybe the next one. And this is what the Bible is speaking about. Those people walk around in the streets and they touch these idols made of concrete, made of plastic, made of earthly things. And they are so convinced that they are able to save themselves or bring good luck to them that it, it is uncanny. Maybe the next one. 
you can see those altars. And he told me that while he was there, he got sick. He watched it. The, the men was dancing like that. And it, they were all going into some sort of a trance, which I would interpret as, as a demonic thing that happens to them. Next one? Or is that the last one? That, apparently, is Lord Vishnu in the Hinduism uh, faith. It's one of the biggest statues unveiled, I think, is in Rajasthan. And they will go from so far just to go there, just to touch the base of that statue. This is what the Bible tells us about, you shall have no other gods before me. And it's literally, he said that he saw the idol worship firsthand. That's what the Bible is preparing us and to tell us not to go there. He got sick in Varanasi and he couldn't wait to leave. Now it's years later. Remember I met the man in 2013. Now towards the end of last year, I met the same man again. This time, not in a bar. But I met the man on a beach in Armanas. We spent an afternoon together over a cup of coffee. And he told me this. He said that he finally saw the world for what the world is. And as if his eyes have been opened for the first time. He said that he had forgiven all the people that did him wrong in the past. He has got a great relationship with his parents. But above all, he has accepted the love of Jesus and has a relationship with him. He got married six years ago and is a stunning wife. His life seems to be amazing. We kept talking and sharing and he told me that when I heard, I was shocked to hear when he told me that his wife was diagnosed with an uncurable disease. But happy to hear that both of them are not really listening to what the doctors are saying. But they are more focused on what God can do in their lives. You see, they don't love God for what God can do for them. No, they love God because they love God. Regardless, it is written in either, it, if it is written in either of their books in heaven that they will die on such and such a date, and that is the way it is. Whether that is a car crash or an uncurable disease, that does not matter. The man sitting on the beach with me was a happy man. He told me that thinking back on his life, he could see numerous times when the hand of God was stretched out to him, but he did not take it. Finally, during the last few years, he grabbed the hand of God and started walking with him. My question to you today is, are you here today because you grabbed the hand of God, or are you here today looking for the hand of God? Now, keeping in mind what I've just said, in the, what I've just said previously, put it in the same bucket as the song. And let's focus on the world as it stands today. There are churches today that will accept anyone and everything in their church just to get their numbers up. They will preach anything just to tickle the ears of the people with money in their pockets. When you enter a church that tells you that God will make you rich, then run away. When you enter a church that deviates from the two-edged sword of God's word, then run away. 
we are Christians and we are supposed to live the life of Christians as they did in the book of Acts. We don't change the message of the gospel in order to please the world. We spread the good news of the gospel in order to save the world. The youth of today are under siege. The enemy is doing everything in his power to lure them away from the truth. What is the truth? The good news of the gospel. Love, family, fellowship, a relationship with Jesus. That is the truth. Why do the world accept Hinduism and Islam but condemn Christianity? Because Christians, true Christians, are the hands, the feet, and the mouths of Jesus until he returns. Jesus said that if you follow him, then the world will hate you as it hated him. Christian persecution is at an all-time high currently. And if you are not strong in your faith, then the world will swallow you up. Are you really here today because you're able to see the world for what it is? Dead, corrupted, and ruled by the prince of darkness. Why build your castle here where dust and moth corrupt? Why build your castle here? Rather build your castle in heaven, the Bible teaches us. We believe in a hard gospel, the true gospel. We don't believe in a pro prosperity gospel. Oh no. God does not promise us financial wealth, does he? God promised us that he will give us life and life in abundance. Come to me and drink of the living water. In John 7, verse 37 to 39, Jesus once again speaks of living water, saying, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, from those who believed in him who were later to receive. Once your eyes open up and you can see your life change, once you become a Christian and live according to the Bible, God does not promise you a trouble-free life, does he? No. In fact, God said that the world hated him, and if you follow him, then the world will hate you too. In Matthew 10, verse 22, we read, You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. While we are having our spiritual experience, we are writing our book of lives up in heaven. I mean, do you get it? Did you break on through to the other side while holding the hands of Jesus? Or are you seeing the world for what it is? Once again, what is the meaning of life? Let me tell you. The meaning of life is love. And Jesus equals love. The Bible tells us to love your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor like yourself. Why? Because if you do, then everything else will fall into place. It is no secret that some of you guys know I have a vegetable garden. And I see God in the red of the tomatoes that I grow. I see God in all the little seeds found in each and every little tomato. I see God in the way the nutrients and the water travel through the tomato stem to reach the fruit. Without water, that tomato plant will die and there will be no tomatoes. You and I are tomato plants. Without the living water of Jesus Christ, we will also die. But if we are willing to drink the living water of Jesus Christ, then we will have life and life in abundance. Start thinking of yourself as a tomato. Now, can we please, once again, put up amazing grace? Let's read that together. Amazing grace. 
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Yesterday at the gathering, we heard Andrew say that we need to be open with each other. So clearly, the man I met on the beach was me. So I don't mind that you now know my past. It is okay. I was blind, but now I see. Are you still blind? Or are you able to understand the meaning of life? Here is a tip. There is no life without God. You can be alive, but without God, you have no life. I've told you guys that in the beginning, that those two scriptures, or the, the, the verses of Amazing Grace, and the verse about the darkness that we fight about in the spiritual world, has formed the core of this message today. And I believe that if you do not confront the things that bother you in your life, that at the end of the day, you will not have the fullness that God has got for you. If you keep hiding something from yourself, from others, something that you know in your heart is not right, then you are cheating yourself out of the fullness of God and what God has got for you. So this is going to be my invitation to you, and it's going to be hard, but I do believe that maybe here today, someone can identify with something that I have said. And that it's not only me that has opened my whole life and have showed you that it is not, that is possible, that even at a later stage, you can grab the hand of God and God is always there. Remember, God's word doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He stands firm. His hand is out. It's you that runs around him and doesn't want to always come to him because it is something that you're hiding. So I would like to invite you to come to the front. If you have been molested as a child and battled with unforgiveness, then come here. If you have used drugs and battled with the demons that slipped through the doors, then come here for prayer. If you have been battling with alcoholism, then come here. If you carry hate in your heart, for whatever reason, somebody that has wronged you, come here. If you have been exposed to witchcraft and open doors for the principalities, the darkness, come here to the front. Are you secretly sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend whilst not being married? Come here. Are you secretly going on drug or alcohol binges? Come here. Are you watching the filth of Hollywood that are sometimes on our screens, on TikTok or on Netflix? I'm begging you today, do not carry these things in your heart. The devil is prowling around you and seeking to destroy you. Jesus is holding out his hand to you today and saying that he will help you. It is you that need to take the hand of Jesus and accept his grace, his help, and his love. Again, ask yourself the question. The way you see yourself, are you a failure according to the world? Or are you a success in the eyes of the Lord? Those are two different things. Are you living for the world or are you living for Jesus? Amen.